Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Up front next, we are live at the Supreme Court, where in just hours, a crucial hearing to determine whether Trump is disqualified from the ballot will begin. It is a decision that could upend the 2024 election. One of the attorneys in the courtroom tomorrow is out front. Plus, Putin's American friend, the Russian president, sitting down for an extensive conversation with Tucker Carlson, who has never shied away from pushing Putin's propaganda. And Chinese headlines saying Texas is about to secede from the union, that a civil war is breaking out in America. Why is the communist government letting these lies flourish? Let's go out front. And good evening, I'm Erin Burnett. Out front tonight, the Supreme Court, front and center. You are looking at live pictures of the nation's highest court, where the first case that could impact the 2024 election begins in just hours. The justices tomorrow morning will hear oral arguments there in an unprecedented case that could help decide the entire election. So Colorado's highest court, the Supreme Court in Colorado, has already ruled that Trump engaged in an insurrection and is therefore disqualified from the Colorado ballot, disqualified from holding the highest office in the land. So that ruling removes him from the ballot in the state. This is a ruling which, just to state the very obvious, will have massive impact. And it, not just in Colorado, on the entire country. I mean, Maine has also removed Trump from the ballot, even though attempts to kick Trump off on the ballot in at least nine other states have failed. What this could do tomorrow is set a precedent that could, could, could spread around the country even though Colorado alone would make history and change this election. Now, one of the attorneys making Colorado's case who will be at the Supreme Court tomorrow is my guest in just a moment. And in these final hours before the Supreme Court takes this first Trump election case, we are also waiting to see if Trump will formally appeal to the Supreme Court over whether he is immune from prosecution just because he was president. 24 hours ago, three judges unanimously ruled that Trump does not have immunity from criminal charges against him, which means that the federal January 6th case can proceed and that we'll likely have a verdict before Election Day, which polls at least indicate would dramatically and instantaneously transform this election, according to polls. Now, let me give you the timeline. Our legal analyst, Ryan Goodman, and his team at Just Security came to this conclusion. They say that the appeals court gave Trump until Monday, February 12th to appeal this decision on immunity. So then the Supreme Court can decide whether or not to take the case, and that decision they expect will happen around February 29th. If the Supreme Court lets that three-judge ruling stand without review, then the January 6th trial could start at the beginning of June, and a verdict could come by September 1st. Now, if they review the three-judge uh, three ruling and, as expected, uphold it, but they do it through a formal review, 
and they deny Trump immunity that way, well, then it starts a little bit later. But Ryan and his team still say that trial would start by the end of July with a verdict of guilty or not guilty the week before the election. Evan Perez is out front at the Supreme Court to begin our coverage tonight. And Evan, uh, obviously, this is a crucial moment. Uh, this is the, the beginning here of, of what could be a lot coming before the Supreme Court. What are you expecting? That's right, Aaron. Look, the, the stakes are high for the former president. Obviously, everything rides on this case. There's a number of other uh, states, as you pointed out, that are waiting in the wings to see how this one turns out. And the, the former president's legal team, we're expecting uh, they're going to bring up, they're, they're going to make a comparison uh, between this, this effort to remove him from the ballot, uh, to Venezuela, where uh, the authorities there have uh, disqualified a opposition candidate. They're going to compare that to what is happening in this case. Of course, uh, as you pointed out, this is a case that uh, none of us, a lot of none of us really thought was going to get this far. And it got here just by the thinnest of margins. It was a 4-3 vote by the Colorado Supreme Court, uh, all Democratic nom uh, nominees on that court. And you'll also remember that the lower court judge uh, had declined to remove the former president uh, from the ballot, uh, although she declared him to be an insurrectionist. So the, we all are expecting that there's going to be some tough questions uh, brought by the justices tomorrow. This is a conservative court. They're going to give uh, they're going to give this a, a very tough, uh, tough time, we think. Uh, but obviously, uh, all the, 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 we, we don't know how this is going to go and we don't know how long this will take. And so uh, for the former president and his legal team, everything rides on how this argument goes uh, to, tomorrow. All right, Evan, thank you very much. Just outside the Supreme Court tonight. And Sean Grimsley is out front now. He will be at the Supreme Court tomorrow as part of the team, arguing that Trump should be removed from the Colorado ballot. So, Sean, you and I have talked uh, throughout this case that it, as it has moved its way through the courts. What does it mean to you to be in that room, with the Supreme Court justices, for these arguments? Well, it's very gratifying for us to have made it here. We've made it here really in only five months. We filed the case in September. Uh, and this is an issue that we knew was likely going to make it to the Supreme Court at some point. And we're thankful to the court that they've put it on such an expedited schedule that they can decide this issue before March 5th, Super Tuesday, so that people can go to the polls on Super Tuesday knowing whether President Trump is in fact disqualified. So what is the most important part of your team's argument tomorrow before the Supreme Court? You heard Evan talking about how Trump's team will make the case that, you know, removing someone from a ballot at, legally as opposed to via uh, a Democratic vote, uh, that they're going to liken that to removing opposition candidate from the ballot in, in Venezuela. Um, what's your main argument going to be? Well, this is not Venezuela. And as you know, we won below. So we're defending the Colorado Supreme Court's decision. And if you look at the legal issues in the case, uh, they really are pretty straightforward in our favor. The biggest issue for us is just the magnitude of the decision that we're asking the Supreme Court to make. And, you know, there's been an argument that this is somehow anti-democratic, that we should let the voters decide. Yep. This is the furthest thing from anti-democratic. Uh, last time President Trump was on the ballot, he ignored the will of 80 million U.S. voters and summoned a mob to attack the Capitol during the peaceful, otherwise peaceful transition of presidential power. Uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is one of the few self-defense mechanisms that the Constitution has to ensure that our democracy uh, remains viable uh, going into the future. So uh, let me ask you, and I understand your, the argument you're making. Of course, you're aware, as I am, that there are many legal experts uh, 
you know, some of whom very much believe that Trump uh, should be found guilty in the January 6th case itself, uh, who think that this could be unanimous, that you could even have liberal justices on the Supreme Court ruling uh, against the uh, Colorado Supreme Court and, and you in this case. Has there anything that you've seen from the court itself, from the justices on the court themselves, that lead you to believe that this will go otherwise? They are taking this very seriously. So they granted cert. They put this on a very expedited schedule. They appreciated the fact that they need to decide this issue before, hopefully, Super Tuesday. And they are digging in. And I, frankly, when I first was brought this case, was skeptical. But as you dig into each of the legal issues that Mm. Trump is arguing, keep him on the ballot, each one of them, we think, is a bad legal argument. I think what you're seeing probably over in the Supreme Court, if you were there right now, the justices digging in, the clerks digging in and realizing that President Trump, under the plain language of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, is disqualified from holding office again. Trump's attorney tomorrow is named Jonathan Mitchell. He is going to be arguing before the Supreme Court for the sixth time. Uh, has done this, obviously, many times before. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I can only imagine what it's like to be uh, in the night before you go in front of the Supreme Court. Uh, but uh, does that... I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, give you pause at all. I mean, this is somebody who obviously is very experienced at this. Um, No, uh, because at the end of the day, yes, the arguments are going to be important tomorrow. The justices, though, are reading the briefs. They're doing their own research and they're going to come to their own decisions about what is right. And my colleague, Jason Murray, although he's never argued before the Supreme Court before, uh, is an extraordinary advocate. As you might imagine, once this case was decided at the Colorado Supreme Court, people were coming out of the woodwork to argue this case uh, once it was granted uh, here. And we all unanimously on our team decided, even though Jason had not argued before, he was the right person, the only choice to argue this case. All right. Well, thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate your time. We will all be watching tomorrow. Thank you. David Axelrod's with me now. So, David, uh, you know, you hear Sean laying this out. Uh, they're, they're calm. They're confident. Uh, but I know you've warned that this case could tear the country apart. Those are the exact words you used. Uh, you don't use them lightly. Why do you feel so no. strongly? First of all, let me preface it by saying, you know, it is stunning that three years after President Trump left the Capitol in disgrace, uh, having sold this lie that the election had been stolen from him and having incited people uh, to to storm the Capitol, that uh, he uh, is in the position he's in and we're in the position uh, we're in. I'm not here as an apologist for Donald Trump, and I'm certainly not here as a lawyer. uh, But I'm sure that uh, one of the things the Supreme Court has to consider is what is the impact of a decision like that? Um, you know, there are a lot, there are myriad legal questions that they're going to consider tomorrow. Some will undoubtedly offer off ramps if they want an off ramp. But I'm trying to imagine what it would be like if the Supreme Court said, we're removing the front running uh, Republican candidate uh, from the ballot. Uh, and, uh, and and essentially saying to the American people, you won't have the opportunity uh, to vote for him. And I think it would be very, very disruptive uh, in this country. I think it, it, it will uh, yeah. create a huge reaction. And that worries me. It worries me because partly because of Donald Trump. There's so much cynicism about our institutions already. And, uh, you know, the strength of uh, our democracy are these institutions. You can argue that, well, that's why you have to go the way the Colorado court suggests. But I think in the minds of many voters, this would be a subversion and it would draw a very strong reaction. 
And, you know, you also have uh, the January 6th case itself, right? So this issue that the Colorado Supreme Court concluded that the president, the former president, cited an insurrection and therefore is removed from the ballot. The 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 I know it's not a technical insurrection charge, but the January 6th case is proceeding separately. Obviously, Uh, you just saw the layout there. You know, Ryan Goodman coming to the conclusion that if they um, the Supreme Court concludes that the president does not have immunity for crimes committed in office, that uh, you would get a verdict in the worst case, possibly the week before Election Day. That is an incredible thing to even consider, isn't it? It is incredible to consider. And it's almost incredible for me to believe that the courts and the DOJ would operate on that schedule. You know, they've been very skittish in the past. Uh, about uh, sort of getting involved as close to the election as even months. Uh, This is a matter of weeks. Uh, I also think that I I don't know what they are. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but I suspect that whatever dilatory tactics that the Trump uh, legal team can um, employ, they will continue to employ them because their goal is absolutely to push this case uh, beyond uh, the election. But one thing about the the, uh, immunity case, Aaron, is that the court is in an interesting position. Say they rule on the, in the president's favor on this. Uh, they have another swing at the bat very quickly to rule on the immunity case. And they may rule against him on that. And they may see that as a balancing act. So right, it'll right. be interesting to watch. David Axelrod, thank you very much. These final hours before uh, what, is, what is going to be a crucial day and a crucial year for the Supreme Court. And next, the breaking news, new pictures. The United States just took out a Hezbollah commander involved in the attack that killed three American soldiers. We are live with the latest details, but uh, we understand a commander killed by U.S. fire tonight. Plus, Ukraine's manpower decimated and exhausted. And now Kiev is relying on men in their 50s to fight Putin's forces. We took a deep look on this. It is a special report and an important one, we believe, that you'll see first out front. And a meltdown inside the Republican Party after back-to-back humiliating defeats for the Speaker of the House. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. 
Breaking news, a U.S. strike in Iraq killing a Kataib Hezbollah commander responsible for deadly attacks on U.S. forces, including the one that killed three Americans in Jordan. This is according to U.S. Central Command. This is the aftermath of a drone strike that we understand tar- targeted that commander's vehicle while it was in Baghdad. Alex Marquardt is following these breaking developments out front. And Alex, we've got this uh, footage just in of a strike tonight, uh, striking a car, killing a commander in Baghdad, they say. What more do you know about the strike and who was killed? And Aaron, you can see in that remarkable video how precise this strike was against that SUV in eastern Baghdad. Uh, U.S. Central Command says that they carried out this strike against a commander of Kataib Hezbollah, which is one of the most powerful Iran-backed groups uh, in Iraq, which they say has carried out attacks against U.S. forces all across the region. The Biden administration is saying this is part of the direct retaliation, U.S. retaliation, uh, for the deaths of those U.S. Americans, those U.S. service members uh, in that attack at the Jordan base a week and a half ago. The first set of retaliation we saw on Friday night, that was when uh, B-1 bombers uh, attacked 85 different targets in Iraq and in Syria, seven different facilities. That was designed to degrade the capabilities of these uh, militia groups. Tonight's attack was specifically against militia leadership. And the commander from Kataib Hezbollah, who was killed, were told, according to three U.S. officials, his name was Wissam Mohammed Sabr al-Saidi. He was in charge of logistical operations, which includes uh, rockets and drones. Now, notably, Aaron, uh, this is causing some diplomatic trouble for the U.S. because the U.S. did not tell Iraq that they were carrying out tonight's strike until afterwards. It's the same thing that happened after mm. Friday night strike. They hadn't told Iraq ahead of time. Uh, Iraq has called these strikes in, in, by the U.S. a violation of sovereignty. And earlier, we heard from an Iraqi security official who said that this is new aggression by the United States, uh, saying that this undermines all understandings between Iraq and the U.S. Major question, Aaron, now is whether these U.S. strikes will deter attacks by these militant groups. There have been almost 170 in Iraq and Syria since October. Aaron. Alex, thank you very much. And also developing tonight. Ukraine on the verge of this massive military overhaul and perhaps even bigger. It has actually been nine days since President Zelensky told his top commander, Valery Zeluzhny, that he's been fired. But Zelensky has still made no formal announcement about the decision or a replacement. Instead, he's publicly said the changes he's about to make could just go well beyond Zeluzhny. But a major point of why they are in this position, this contention between Zelensky and his top commander, is how much to expand the draft. And this is the reality. As the war drags on, Ukrainians on the front lines are older. They are now fighting well into their 50s. And a draft has been at the core of this. Fred Plaikin is out front with this story you'll see first out front. The explosions are dangerously close as the drone team from the 92nd Assault Brigade set up their bird, attach the bombs, and head off into battle. While drone technology is often seen as the realm of tech-savvy youngsters, one of the pilots here is over 50. One way or another, everyone should serve, he says. It is our duty to defend our land, our families, our motherland. If you do not want to fight, what kind of citizen are you? Ukraine is badly outgunned by the Russians. But the reality is they're also outmanned, unable to recruit enough soldiers willing to join the military, especially younger ones. 
decimated and exhausted, Ukraine's top general, Valery Zaluzhny, has called for a new mobilization drive, maybe including up to half a million people. President Volodymyr Zelensky is unconvinced, and sources tell CNN he has informed Zaluzhny he'll be fired, with differences over troop numbers a key reason why. Mobilization is unpopular, and in front of Ukraine's parliament, some are protesting for their spouses to be demobilized. Antonina says her husband is too old to be serving this long. My husband is 43 years old, she says. It is difficult for him to endure all this time on the ground, jumping from shells and performing all those tasks at the front line. And there are many people like him. I'm here for my dad to come back, her son says. But on the front lines, like in this rocket launching unit, some say they need more people to give those who've been in combat nearly non-stop a breather. The commander of this launcher is 59. In Ukraine, people can only be drafted till they're 60. All of Ukraine is at war, and each and every man who thinks he lives in Ukraine must go through it, he says. It's irreversible. People here are tired. Ukraine's parliament is working on a law to make mobilization more appealing and possibly allow soldiers to exit the military after three years. But back at the drone unit, they don't believe the talk. There should be no illusions, he says. Also among soldiers whom politicians have given hope that there will be demobilization, there will not be any. And Aaron, that draft law and mobilization cleared the first hurdle in Ukrainian parliament today, but it still has a long way to go before it can be enacted. But the lack of manpower is definitely something that soldiers pretty much everywhere that we've gone to on the front lines have told us is a major issue. They say they need more people, not just to put them in the trenches, but yeah. also to rotate people out who've been fighting for so long. Aaron? Fred, thank you very much. I remember last summer on those front lines, I was amazed at how much there were older people and how long they had been away from their families without seeing them, uh, up to a year in some cases. Out front next, Putin's American ally, the Russian president sitting down for a conversation with Tucker Carlson, who says Putin's not a threat. Plus meltdown, Republicans openly criticizing their own House speaker. On the Senate side, the GOP today blocking a border bill that they had demanded. What's going on? Putin talks to an American friend, the Russian president turning to right-wing conspiracy theorist Tucker Carlson to speak. Carlson's conversation with Putin is expected to be released momentarily. It is a conversation that the Kremlin is eager for the world to see. Well, why? For that, just listen to the answer from Putin's spokesman fawning over Carlson. We receive many requests for interviews with the president. There is no desire to communicate with such media outlets. And there is hardly any point in it. There is hardly any benefit from it. He has a position that differs from the others. He, Carlson, has a position that differs from the others. And so, while Putin sees no benefit in sitting down for an interview with a journalist, he does see benefit from a conversation with Carlson because of this. Hard to see why he's a threat to us. I don't think Putin is well, comparable to Hitler. I think we should probably take the side of, of, of Russia uh, uh, if we have to choose between Russia and Ukraine. It might be worth asking yourself, since it is getting pretty serious, what is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. 
Carlson has also given Putin cover when it comes to claims that Russia blew up a crucial dam. Remember that dam in that Russian-controlled area that Putin had taken over in southern Ukraine? Look at this. It's not like Vladimir Putin is anxious to wage war on himself. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, Mr. and Mrs. Cable News consumer. Vladimir Putin is exactly that sort of man, the sort of man who'd shoot himself to death in order to annoy you. We know this from the American media. The American media, separate from himself. But it's not just defending Putin's invasion of another sovereign country. It's actually also personal slams against Vladimir Zelensky, which, as you'll see here in this case, is a barely veiled call out of Zelensky's Jewish heritage. Sweaty and rat-like, a comedian turned oligarch, a persecutor of Christians, a friend of BlackRock. Ever since Tucker Carlson landed in Moscow, the state-run media has really said it all. They've treated him like a true celebrity, down to the details about, uh, you know, when and how he charged his cell phone. They ran video of Carlson eating at a fast food joint. And the fawning goes both ways. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. Well, actually, that is wrong. That is not true. We do hear from Putin regularly. We hear his voice. And what he says is written about, we play him on this show. In fact, here he is in a four-hour press conference in December, specifically telling all of us exactly what his goals are now. There will be peace when we achieve our goals. They haven't changed. This is the demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine and its neutral status. So there's the goals in his own voice, and he says they haven't changed. The world also knows exactly why Putin invaded Ukraine. He handed out a document to every single Russian soldier explaining why Ukraine is not a country in the summer before he invaded. And just three weeks ago, Putin once again said, quote, the statehood of Ukraine will soon be in question. Putin wants total domination of Ukraine. He's never said that it's anything else. He's very clear. And for real journalists who have traveled to Russia and reported on the facts during this war, they have been jailed. Evan Gerskovich from The Wall Street Journal. He's languishing right now in prison. Vladimir Karamurza. He's also right now in a penal colony. Look, everyone wants to hear from Putin more. That's why media outlets like CNN, we request access constantly. Many times requested an interview from Peskov. We hope that Putin will choose to do an interview with a journalist. Out front now, Evgenia Karamurza. She is the wife of the jailed Russian journalist and activist Vladimir Karamurza, who I just showed you. He was arrested after speaking out against Putin's invasion of Ukraine and was just unexpectedly moved to one of Russia's most brutal penal colonies in Siberia. He is serving a 25-year sentence. And Evgeny, I know you and I have spoken many times uh, during this war. Uh, your husband is in prison right now, 25 years. He, he, he just moved to another penal colony. And I know you have had to deal with the reality that you might not see him again because he called the Russian government a, quote, regime of murderers. Obviously, it is not a country with free speech. What is your reaction when you hear the Kremlin promoting this as a real interview with Putin now? Um, good evening, Erin. It's a pleasure to join you again. Um, well, you know, even if I didn't know anything about Mr. Carlson, uh, about his career in journalism and about his quite questionable opinions about certain things, uh, there would be still alarm bells ringing very loudly in my head. And uh, take, for example, the fact that, according to Peskov, 
um, Mr. Carlson is a journalist who is telling the truth. We're talking about the country where people who are actually telling the truth end up behind bars and are being treated as spies, foreign agents and traitors, like my husband Vladimir Karamurza, who was sentenced to 25 years for so-called treason for consistently denouncing the crimes committed by the Russian army in Ukraine and consistently denouncing repression by the Putin regime inside of the country. Uh, this is the reality. Uh, in 2022 alone, over 200,000 independent online media resources were banned, were blocked by the Russian authorities. And the remaining independent media outlets were closed down and banned, and a countless number of journalists were forced to flee the country fearing persecution. And those who stayed behind basically do their work anonymously because they are under constant threat of arrest or forced exile. This is the country uh, that we're talking about, uh, where truth is being consistently persecuted by the authorities. And of course, uh, the fact that uh, Mr. Carlson is there is, um, well, it's not only atrocious, but um, Vladimir Putin needs him. You see, um, the reach of his own propagandists like Margarita Simonyan or uh, Vladimir Solovyov um, is limited. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, those are uh, one of the most notorious propagandists ever, and but their reach is limited. Now, um, Mr. Carlson has over 11 million followers on Twitter and other social media. So uh, Vladimir Putin needs him to put out that image of reality that he himself um, promotes through propaganda, that image of reality in which his claims on Ukraine are somehow legitimate and in which he's a good guy who really wants peace. Meanwhile, four more civilians were killed in shelling today in Kiev and people in Russia continue being thrown in jails and tortured there for telling the truth about the nature of this regime. Evgeny, I know a week from today is your 20th wedding anniversary. You had a chance to briefly, uh, your husband called briefly, they allowed one call. Um, on the last call, you had 15 minutes and you didn't speak to him because you gave those 15 minutes to your three children so they could speak to their father. What is the latest you're hearing about how Vladimir is doing? Because I know and it is important that people understand that his health is not good. Um. Vladimir has been moved to a so-called special regime prison colony, which is the harshest grade in the Russian penitentiary system. He's uh, still in a solitary cell uh, where the bed is affixed to the wall from morning till night, where he doesn't get any human contact except for when he's still allowed to see his uh, lawyer, rarely. Um, and, well... Um, it is true that last time uh, the kids were able to speak to him were at the end of last year, um, close to New Year's. Vladimir was allowed one 15-minute phone call with the kids, and that was the first phone call in over half a year. We have three kids. Divide 15 by three, that means three minute, uh, five minutes each. And I was literally standing there with a timer because I couldn't let any of our kids to speak for more than five minutes to their father. And of course, yes, I, I didn't speak to him at all because I didn't want to take that time away from the kids. Now, Vladimir put in a request for a phone call 
on our 20th wedding anniversary. And a couple of days ago, he received an official denial. Um, that um, paper said that the reason for the call was not justified enough, that was not on the list of exceptional circumstances which would allow such a call, um, unlike, for example, death, they said. So uh, if anyone dies, then maybe Vladimir will be allowed to talk to me. This is the reality of Vladimir Putin's Russia. Evgenia, thank you very much. It's important. We all hear it. I appreciate it. And I want to go to Max Seddon. He's the Moscow bureau chief at the Financial Times. Max, you've covered the Kremlin for more than a decade. Um, Here, Evgenia speaking. You know her husband and you know the Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gerskovich, both obviously jailed by the Kremlin. You heard Evgenia sharing the latest about Vladimir. So what was your reaction, Max, when you heard that uh, Tucker Carlson said he's doing this interview to inform people about Russia, that Putin never speaks, and that no other Western reporters bothered to do it? Well, uh, Aaron, it's, it's, it's frankly really, really quite something, even by you know, Tucker Carlson's standards, to, to have a go with Western journalists for, for not doing enough to cover you know, the, the Russian side of uh, Putin's invasion of, of Ukraine. You know, um, Evan Gershkovich, Alima Karamurza, uh, also Kuromasheva, who's uh, also an American citizen, uh, are, are all in, in prison right now exactly for, for that reason. They, they literally made telling the truth about the war illegal. They've, they've prosecuted hundreds and hundreds of, of, of their own citizens. So the, the idea that uh, you know, no one's you know, tried to do that is, is, is frankly ridiculous. And uh, the, the funny thing was that uh, even, even the Kremlin, uh, Dmitry Peskov, uh, who we heard from earlier, uh, actually felt the need to correct uh, Tucker Carlson, because the reason that this is his first uh, interview that he's given to a Western journalist since uh, the start of, of the war, it's, it's kind of a flex. You know, uh, your own Christian Mampour and others have uh, complained about it. And the Peskov said, you know, we got lots of requests, but, you know, we don't want to do that because uh, we, we don't like their, their point of view. You know, Tucker Carlson has a different point of view. And uh, that, you know, that's why they're doing this. You know, quite clearly, they think that Putin is going to get uh, a much easier ride than he would from uh, someone like uh, like Evan Gershowitz, for example. Right, right. And of course, uh, you, all of I mean, me, uh, many, uh, many, many, everyone uh, has, has, has requested that interview many, many times. Um, so, you know, you, what does it tell you that they praised him today? Obviously, the interview's done, right? It's been done uh, here for, for a while. It's going to be released uh, shortly. What does it tell you that the Kremlin praised Carlson today? Well, this this is really quite quite a rare opportunity for them to to get get their message message out to the the Trump sympathetic crowd in in the U.S. Because if you look at what what Trump himself has done, uh, basically torpedoing uh, more more USA to Ukraine in, in Congress in recent weeks, this is exactly the the sort of thing that that Russia wants. And 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 for them, it's you know a big way to not just connect with uh, Americans who they think might be sympathetic to them out of the election. It's also a message to Russians ahead of the Russian election, which is which is next month. Uh, you know, no surprises about who's going to win that. But one thing that Putin has been trying uh, quite a lot to do during the war since uh, Western countries sanctioned Russia is uh, to try to show everyone that Russia isn't isolated, that Russia has friends in China and the global south. So uh, that is is what having some you know, famous American that they can fawn over, like the Herr Carlson does for the Kremlin. Max, I really appreciate talking to you. I always do. And thanks so much. I know it's late where you are. So thank you. Thanks. All right. Next, Republicans uh, in disarray tonight. They are pointing fingers at each other after a string of failures. 
He needs to count votes before it comes to the floor. Plus a civil war in Texas, Texas declaring its independence. This is what you're seeing in China, spending a lot of energy on pushing these headlines about Texas. It's a story you'll see first tonight out front. I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight, the Republican Party in infighting after back-to-back humiliating defeats on the Kip- on Capitol Hill. Just today, there was a bipartisan border security and foreign aid bill. It was blocked in the Senate after Republicans blocked a deal that they had demanded. Over on the House side, Speaker Mike Johnson, now targeted by fellow Republicans because he lost two major votes last night, one just because he counted wrong. Congressman Thomas Massey tweeting in part, quote, getting rid of Speaker McCarthy has officially turned into an unmitigated disaster. And Massey is far from the only Republican who is now criticizing the new speaker publicly. He needs to count votes before it comes to the floor. As bad as Pelosi was, she knew her votes before it took place. It's unclear to me why we barreled ahead with a vote, knowing that the votes weren't there. We did not need to embarrass ourselves. All right, that was Congressman Gallagher there that you heard on the Hugh Hewitt show today. And Hugh is with me now. So, Hugh, you know, it's like uh, Gallagher said, uh, we didn't need to embarrass ourselves is the quote, right, that, that he said to you. And yet that, that's what happened. Uh, the, the count was wrong. How bad does this yeah. make Republicans look and the new speaker? Well, they got head faked. They thought Congressman Green was not going to come in with a Democratic yes vote and they were going to successfully impeach uh, Secretary Mayorkas. But they got head faked. And Mike Gallagher and Tom McClintock are very serious guys, and they're not going to change their vote. Ken Buck's kind of off on his own trail somewhere, doing his own thing. But the Republicans only have a four-vote majority, and Majority Leader Scalise was missing. So they were surprised. It is embarrassing. It is not the end of the world for Republicans. I think if the supplemental that is expected to pass the Senate tonight with aid for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, the United States defense industry— does not get through the House, that will be a substantive defeat that will leave a lasting mark. All right. But do you see that getting through? I mean, you know, there had been the whole, you got to put it all together, you know, the border with the foreign aid. And if you don't do that, we won't do anything. And now it's, you got to put them separate or we won't do anything. So just putting aside the the, 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 the confusion and the bizarreness of that, uh, you know, putting Ukraine in with Israel, I mean, do you, do you have any confidence that a bill like that's going to go through? going to be close. I think Speaker Johnson's going to have to take a deep breath and seek support from Democrats because there are more than a handful of Republicans who oppose additional aid to Ukraine. But the, the GOP is traditionally the party of national security, and I think they will eventually pass this. I do want to correct one thing, Aaron, at least give you my perspective. Yeah. The border bill uh, or the border legislation is not a fiasco. They asked James Lankford to go and get the best deal that he could. He did that. He brought it back. There was no border wall, and there were a number of other things in it that simply the Republican caucus could not go for. So the Democrats made their best offer. James Lankford made counters, tried to get the best deal he could, brought back the best that he could get. And the Republicans said, not even close, not going to go. 
So now we're back to just the foreign aid, and I hope it passes. All right, but when you hear, you know, some Republicans saying, as they have, and maybe it was in the the height of the emotion after that border bill, after all this work, and and a very serious senior conservative Senator Lankford putting his reputation and time on the line to do it, uh, now saying that that this is going to hurt Republicans in swing races and that they deserve it, do you think that will not be the case when it actually comes to election? No, I don't. I don't think that is going to be the case. Uh, Senator Lankford, there's probably no one as admired as Senator Lankford. Everybody loves him. And he is a genuine, hardcore conservative. But what he brought back wasn't good enough. What matters are facts. And in the first three years of President Biden's presidency, eight million people have crossed the southwestern border uninvited. He has not finished the wall. He has not maintained the wall. And we don't even know how many people got over that were not encountered. So the border fiasco, the open border, is still the Biden problem. In fact, tonight's New York Times has a story on, over on tomorrow's paper, the number of aides that have been dispatched by Team Biden to Michigan to try and stop an embarrassment up there because he's losing ground in Michigan. And Tony Blinken basically backpedaled on support for Israel today. So all of the problems are not Republican problems. Both parties have their problems heading into the, the fall race. All right, Hugh Hewitt, I appreciate talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. All right, and next, China's fake news campaign centers on Texas right now and claims of a looming civil war there. Why is Beijing and the government there pushing out this false story? And Prince William speaking out for the first time since his father's cancer diagnosis tonight. Tonight, quote, civil war on the brink, Texas declaring a state of war. Headlines like this are actually being blasted across China. Their media censors are doing very little to stop this, even though, of course, it is false. So why does the Chinese government um, do that? What's happening? Will Ripley is out front. In a world where information is power, where fact and fiction collide, a digital drumbeat of disinformation from China, the U.S. State Department says, threatening the very fabric of the free world. One of Beijing's latest campaigns focusing on Texas, a tidal wave of disinformation surging across social media in China in recent weeks, zeroing in on tensions between Texas and the White House over illegal migrants spilling over the border from Mexico. If Texas declared independence from the United States... Chinese social media users captivated by videos like this, speculating about Texas declaring independence. Online chatter of a looming U.S. civil war, getting hundreds of thousands of likes, shares, and comments, mostly untouched by Beijing's army of online censors. This is the dark side of globalization. And not an isolated incident, the State Department says, releasing its first ever report on what it calls the People's Republic of China's information manipulation. When you look at the pieces of the puzzle and you put it together, you see a breathtaking ambition uh, on the part of the PRC to seek information dominance in key regions of the world. What the U.S. calls a multi-billion dollar coordinated campaign of distortion and disinformation devised by the Chinese government, exploiting divisions within the United States. China's foreign ministry firing back, accusing the U.S. of hypocrisy for being the first nation to weaponize global information. Beijing blasting the State Department report as disinformation that misrepresents facts and truth, labeling America an empire of lies. 
The U.S. says China's digital authoritarianism accelerated in recent years, magnifying perceptions of chaos in America. A welcome distraction, analysts say, for Beijing's communist leaders grappling with a growing pile of problems at home. From China's real estate crisis, new homes never finished, prompting protests by angry buyers to a plunging stock market, skyrocketing youth unemployment and rapidly aging population. Beijing and Washington battling for information dominance. Tonight, one key point on this fake news of a looming civil war in Texas, Aaron, this is not the first time. Just the latest example on the Chinese Internet of information being twisted, manipulated. The U.S. says it's part of this much bigger campaign by the Chinese government, almost an Orwellian attempt to poison the information space that is crucial for democracies to function, weaponizing disinformation, exploiting existing fault lines and divisions in the United States and beyond with one goal, Aaron. They want to reshape global opinions to benefit China. All right. Well, Ripley, thank you very much. Taipei. And next, Prince William breaking his silence on his father's cancer diagnosis tonight. Tonight, Prince William speaking out for the first time since his father's cancer diagnosis. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you also for the kind messages of support for Catherine and for my father, especially in recent days. It means a great deal to us all. Prince also acknowledging his wife Kate's recent abdominal surgery from which she is still recovering. Those comments coming during a charity gala in London uh, where uh, the, the prince was with Tom Cruise. He's taking over more, more duties here. The future king returning to those royal duties today after a three-week absence. His schedule's packed uh, with the king uh, and his wife all absent. He also hosted an awards ceremony at Windsor Castle earlier in the day. Thanks for joining us. Anderson starts now. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 